as we look at the Christmas story. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas and uh, God bless you. So this morning I want to preach just for a few moments on the thought, the greatest story ever told. Would you say that with me this morning? The greatest story ever told. Say that with me again. The greatest story ever told. Let us bow our hearts in prayer as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for these people who are gathered in your name today, who love you and appreciate you, Lord, and we honor you today. And we ask you, Lord, to open up our ears and our hearts that we would hear you today. And all the church said a great big amen. Amen. The greatest story ever told. The greatest story ever told. If I ask you this morning, what does Christmas mean to you? To some people, they would say that Christmas means a lot of things. I think some of us would say that Christmas means a lot of hard work and stress. How many would agree with that? Stores are crowded with record numbers. I was just watching the news the other day and they said that uh, never in history has there been so, so much mail, so many crowds, people leaving, going from one place to another. This is a, one of the busiest Christmas seasons ever. Stores are crowded with shoppers. The post office is overflowing with mail. Trains and buses and planes are carrying record number crowds. To some, Christmas means a visit home. Surely this is the best time as we commemorate the Savior and it's great to be with family and friends. To some, Christmas just means a sad memory because they look back over their life and maybe they have some regrets or they have some loved ones that they wish they could see again. To millions of people, Christmas means absolutely nothing. It's just a, another day off. Another day to sleep in. Another day to have a paid holiday. It means nothing to them. You know why I think it means nothing to them? Because they don't understand the significance of Christmas. Christmas. C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S. Mass. Christ. Mass. Mass is the word for thanksgiving. The thanksgiving of Christ. What does Christmas mean to you? If you are a born-again Christian, then Christmas means everything to you. If you love Jesus, then Christmas means everything to you. It means that God loves you with all of His heart. Christmas means that God has regarded your lost condition and He has done something about it. It means that God has given His best Christmas gift ever that you could ever imagine and that it is Son. It means that a Savior is born. A Savior is born. Born to set us an example. Born to die for our sins. Born to be raised for our justification. Born to be ascended on high and make intercession for us. Christmas means that He was born to give us the hope 
of His second coming. Christmas. The thanksgiving of Christ. A time where we commemorate the coming of Jesus. If you are a Christian this morning, then it means that God loves you with all of His heart. It means that you have a companion for life. It means that you have a friend in the hour of death. It means that you have a loving brother throughout all eternity. You see, my friends, if you are a Christian this morning, then Christmas means everything. Everything. It means that we commemorate the greatest story ever told. I love stories. I love to hear stories. I love to listen to other people's stories. And I believe that one of the greatest stories ever known to man is written in this book that we call the Bible. This story has been handed to us through the prophets. It's been handed to us through the apostles. It's been translated for thousands of years. And now you and I, ladies and gentlemen, stand in the presence of God and we read the story that's been handed to us for centuries. It's an ancient story. It's a story that has brought comfort to millions of people throughout the centuries. It's a story that has brought hope and forgiveness to those who have felt disheartened and disenchanted by life. It is a story that still brings comfort and it still brings hope to millions and millions of people even today. And as I stand in your presence today, there are millions of people around the world in every continent flocking out cathedrals, churches like this, underground churches, storefront churches. And what are they doing? They are reading an ancient story. They're commemorating the ancient story that's been given to us. A story that's brought life and hope and forgiveness to not only us, but millions of people throughout the centuries. What is the story about? From the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, the story is about a man. The man. It's about one man called Jesus. The man. I want you to think about it this morning. I want you to think about this man called Jesus because I believe that in every page of the Bible, it talks about this man. I mean, you can't get away from it. I mean, Genesis talks about this man and uh, Exodus talks about this man and Leviticus talks about this man and Deuteronomy talks about this man. I mean, every book describes or it is a foreshadow of what was to come. The Bible is a description about a man called Jesus. You see, I want you to think about this man called Jesus. His credits are really too long. I mean, if you really think about it, his credits is too long. He has done the impossible. You have heard about him since you've been in Sunday school. But let me just remind you this morning about 
the man. This man was born over 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem. He was born to a single, unmarried, virgin girl by the name of Mary. Mary has an experience on the Judean hillside where an angel comes by the name of Gabriel and said, Hell, Mary, you have found favor with God. The Bible says that she conceived a child and it was not from a human but from the Holy Spirit. He was adopted, this man was adopted by an older blue-collar man by the name of Joseph. Very little is known about this man from about the age of 12 years of age to 30 years of age. Very little is known about him. But most likely, he had a childhood that was very normal. He probably played with his siblings. He probably had a childhood just like every other child would have. We know that he had a couple brothers by the name of Jude and James who wrote later books of the Bible. He probably worked with his father, his earthly father Joseph, as a carpenter in his teenage years. He probably was in good shape physically because he worked outside. He was a carpenter. He's a Jewish man. He was probably a tall, dark man. He, he never married, never had a family, had no children. Not much is said about this man until you come to about 30 years of age. And at 30 years of age, there was a transition. This man started his ministry. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, he began to preach. He began to, he began to preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. He laid hands on the sick. And they recovered. At one time, he spoke to a dead man who was dead for four days. And the Bible says the dead man got up and lived again. This man was infused by the power of the Holy Spirit. He cast out demons, healed the lame. Those who could not hear, he restored their hearing. He was a man, a man of God. But not only was he a man of God, but this man was a sinless man, never committed one sin. He preached. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He even forgave people of their sins. I want you to think about this man this morning. I find it strange that this man never wrote a book. This, this man never had a formal education. He never had a degree. Never wore clo nice clothes. And sometimes the story tells us he never even had a place to lay his head at night. He never ran for political office. He never preached in a big church. He never visited a big city. He was never an evangelist receiving big offerings. He never marshaled an army, never even founded a religion. 
And yet, this man who was never married, no, no children, no degree, wasn't political, yet he has changed the world. He has changed the world? There are 2.3 billion of us today. 2,000 years ago when he left, there was only 12 of them. On the day of Pentecost, there was 120 of them. And today, there's over 2 billion of us who claim that Jesus is God in human flesh. He's coming back for more than he ever left. Can somebody say amen? This man has divided history between A.D. and B.C. This man is called the Son of God. He's called the Son of Man. More songs have been written about him than any other man in history. More books have been written about him than any other man in history. Do you know what people have done for 2,000 years? For 2,000 years, people have left their families and went across continents and they have built schools. They have built colleges. They have built universities. They have built orphanages. They have built churches with steeples reaching high into the heavens. Do you know why people have done that for 2,000 years? Because they have been changed by this man from Bethlehem. Their, their hearts have been captivated by his love. And so men and women have forsaken all for the cause of this Jewish man from Bethlehem. And I don't know about you, but as I look across this crowd this morning, I know that there is at least a few of you that can wave your hand and say, Preacher, that man that had no college education, that man who had no formal education, that man who never ran for a political office, that man who was born of a virgin, that man has changed my life forever. Hallelujah! Is there anybody in this church that can wave your hand and said, I don't know much about this man, but I know that I was sick and now I'm healed. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was in the pit and he picked me up out of the miry clay. I owe everything to this man. Everything I owe to this man. The greatest man in history. This man... Is Jesus, for the angel said to his mother, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people 
from their sins. Isn't that what the angel said? No, hold on. The angel said, You shall call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. And that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about, I'm forgiven. He came and He forgave me. He came and He redeemed me. He came and picked me up. He came and gave me hope. He came and was faithful to me even when I was faithless. That's what Christmas is about. He shall save His people from their sins. Christ's point, it's Christmas. Christ has come and He has delivered us from the evil one. Christ has come. He has broke the power of sin and shame off of our life. It's Christmas. Rejoice. He has bruised the head of the serpent. Rejoice. He has broken the power of sin and slavery. Rejoice. We are free. He has come to redeem us. Christmas, it is the greatest story ever known to the human race. Could you lift your hands and thank the Lord for His goodness today? Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you just thank the Lord for His goodness today? Hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I give you glory, give you praise. Is there somebody that can just honor God today with your hands lifted and say, Lord, I thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness today. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. The greatest man ever known to the human race is the man The message? What kind of message does he have? He is the most loved. He is the most hated man in all of history. You see, you either love him or you hate him. He is loved because of what he can do. He's hated because of what he said. Jesus is loved and Jesus is hated at the same time. He's loved for what He can do, but He's hated for what He said. I mean, Jesus made some radical statements, didn't He? I mean, Jesus said, and I quote, But I say unto you, love one another. Do good to those who hate you and despitefully use you. Luke 6 and verse 27. He said something else radical. He said in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 34, and I quote, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. He said something else that's radical. Mark chapter 9 and verse 35, 
If anyone desires to be first, he must first be last and the servant of all. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 21. Mark 10, 21, Jesus said this, Go your way, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and take up your cross and follow me. Luke 14, 26, Jesus said, and I quote, If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife, his children, his brother, his sister, and his own life, cannot be my disciple. In other words, Jesus said, if you don't love me more and love them less, you can't be my disciple. Matthew 10 and verse 39, he who finds his life will lose it, and who loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, Jesus preached a radical message. My friends, Jesus is popular. People nowadays wear t-shirts that says, and I quote, Jesus is my boo. Or Jesus is my best friend. It's one thing to have a cross around your neck, but make sure you have the cross in your heart. It's one thing to lift our hands on Sunday morning and sing our songs and pray our prayers, but just make sure that Jesus has made a change in your heart. Jesus is the most loved person, but He's also the most hated person. He's loved for what He can do, but He's hated for what He said. And if you're really going to be a follower of Jesus, it takes more than just reciting prayers and singing songs. If you're going to be a true follower of Jesus, do you know what He requires? He requires total obedience. If you're going to really follow Jesus, it requires total obedience. And sometimes total obedience is not what we want. It's not what we desire. But Jesus demands all. But you know, I believe the most radical statement of all that Jesus made is found in John 14, verse 6. The most radical. If I had to pick one scripture that was the most radical statement that Jesus made, Jesus said it like this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man can come to the Father except by me. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only hope of the world. Jesus is the only way of salvation. Jesus is the only hope of the world. There is no other way. There is no other door. There is no other path. There is only but one way, and His name is Jesus. And without Him, we are helpless and hopeless, and we are doomed. Jesus is the only way. This baby who was born in Bethlehem came demonstrated to us that He is the only way. There are some Christians 
who think that we are judgmental, that we're not tolerant, because we believe that Jesus is the only way. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, and I quote, This is the word of our Lord. Jesus was very clear about this, and he said, and I quote, Matthew 10, verse 34, Do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against his, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. In other words, Jesus is saying, my message, if you are going to be a follower of me and obey my words, it will bring division even in your household and even to those people who are closest to you. It will bring division. If you really follow me, if you really commit to me, Jesus is going to bring division in your life. If you really follow me. You see, what is Christmas about? It's about the man. It's about his message. It's not very popular, is it? And it's about his mission. What is his mission? For the angel said, and I quote again, to that virgin, Mary, hell Mary, the Lord is with you. For ye shall conceive and bear a son. Ye shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. The mission of Christmas is that he has come to give us hope. He has come to give us redemption. He has come to give us another chance. I did not say a second chance because some of you have already exhausted your second chance. He has come to give you another chance. It, you know what his mission? The, listen, as I close, the mystery of Christmas. The mystery of Christmas is that God looked down on planet earth and said, I love those people. And the only way I could tell them that I love them is I've got to be one of them. I gotta feel their pain. I gotta feel their heartache. Because what is a God that does not sympathize with the way you feel? That God does not need to be worshiped. That God does not need to be obeyed if he does not understand the pain of humanity. God looked down. And said, I will come down to that planet. And I will be one of them 
and I will feel their pain. I will feel their sorrow. And I will bring them back home with me. And that's why God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, dropped the seed in that virgin. Not the seed of a man. But the Holy Spirit dropped a supernatural seed which fertilized with her egg. And that baby was God in human flesh. When she gave birth to that baby, wrapped it in swallowing clothes, laid it in her arms, she didn't realize the mystery of what was taking place. When she looked in his eyes, she was looking at love wrapped in swallowing clothes. interesting that that same baby that was wrapped in swallowing clothes 33 years later his same mother saw him be wrapped in linen cloth and they put him in a tomb he, he came from a womb he was wrapped in swallowing clothes He died and was wrapped again and he was put in a tomb because that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about whatever tomb you may find yourself in, Jesus has already wrapped himself with your guilt. He has already wrapped Himself with your sin. He has already wrapped Himself with your shame. And you don't have to live in the tomb any longer. You can bust out of that tomb and be resurrected in the power and the glory of the resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I was a little boy My life would change, you know. My life was changed as a little boy. He has changed my life. And I owe all my life to Him. And I want to tell the Lord today how much I love Him. I want to give my life to Him. I want to give everything I have to Him. Because He gave it all. He is the greatest man ever known to the human race. It is the greatest story ever known to the human race. God loved us so much, He became one of us. The prophets looked into time And couldn't describe the mystery. How is God going to intervene for us? How is God going to save us? They didn't understand that God would become a baby. Jesus, the greatest man who ever lived, He is the first, He is the last. 
Jesus is the beginning. He is the end. He is the keeper of all creation. And He is the creator of all things. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all things. He always was, He always is, and He always shall be. The greatest man who is Jesus. He is unmovable, unchangeable, undefeated. He was bruised and brought us healing. He was pierced and eased our pain. He was persecuted and brought us freedom. He was dead and yet He lives. He reigns and He brings peace. The world cannot understand Him. The armies cannot defeat Him. Schools cannot explain Him. Herod tried to kill Him. The Pharisees tried to confuse Him. Nero tried to crush Him. And the New Age is trying to replace Him. But Jesus is love. He is goodness. He is kindness. He is holy. He is righteous. He is powerful. He is pure. He is eternal. He is unchanging. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. He is my God. He is my peace. He is my Lord. He is my Redeemer. Oh, hallelujah. He is the greatest man ever known to the human race. I don't know why you're seated there. Somebody should stand and give a clap praise to the greatest man ever known to the human race. Oh, hallelujah! I said hallelujah! He is the greatest man. And I am asking you today, Let's make Jesus famous. Let's make Him famous. It is the greatest story ever known to man. And as a preacher, I have the opportunity to continue to tell the story. Next Christmas, I'll tell the story again. And the Christmas after that, I'll tell the story again. Because it is our responsibility to tell the greatest story ever known to man. Let's keep telling the story.